0: You're undermining everything that I'm trying to do. I'm sorry. As it said, should be. <laughs> we're really nice people. Hi, and welcome to Making It Beautiful, a Heather's podcast by Starcatcher Productions. Starcatcher is a community-based Jerusalem theater company, and this season we're putting on the cult musical, Heathers. I'm Nuria Levy, an assistant director at Starcatcher, and each episode I'll be speaking with members of the Starcatcher cast and crew as well as some other special guests about musical theater in general, and Heather's in particular, and giving you a behind-the-scenes look at the production. How very. This week's episode is Welcome to Our Candy Store, in which we'll discuss movie-to-musical adaptations, cultural breakthroughs, and lots of shoulder pads and scrunchies, featuring special guests Yaeli Greenblatt, Omel Yavin, and Halal Chanoch. Follow StarCatcher on social media to get more information about our production. Okay, let's start by going around and introducing ourselves. Hi,
1: uh, I'm Yaeli
2: and I am the director of Heathers, and I'm really excited that we're doing a podcast
3: this year for the first time. I am Omer, and I am an
1: assistant director of the show. I'm Hallel, and I will be choreographing the show
0: along with Danny Friedman. And I'm Nuria, and I'm also assistant directing, and also very excited. So we're going to start by telling people a little bit about Heather's, because it's not such a well-known show, tragically. So let's see if we can describe Heather's The Musical in just five words. Almer. Okay, my words are life, death,
3: teenagers, shoulder pads. (laughs) Great. I love the shoulder
2: pads really ties everything together. So true.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Ellie.
2: So my five words to describe Heather's are 80s pop high school dystopia.
0: Mine is from a real life uh, attempt to describe the musical to my parents (laughs) so that they would understand what we're talking about. So I said this today at the Shabbat table. I said it's mean girls, but with murder. And that's five words. So I'm gonna stick by that. Mean Girls, if the bus had done a better job. <laughs> yes, but that's a little bit too much, so. So, for those who don't know, Heathers, the musical, is an adaptation of a cult movie from 1989 starring Winona Ryder and Christian Slater. It was written by Daniel Waters and directed by Michael Lehman. So, did you guys know the movie Heathers or the musical first? How were you introduced to this phenomenon? Hello?
1: I knew the musical first. I saw it off Broadway with you, Ellie. Wow! just yes. <laughs> 2014. Historic summer. So, yeah, Ellie. I'm the older one of the
2: bunch, so I was around for the early '90s to, to see the movie as a teenager. So I had heard of Heather's. I knew it uh, really well, and I was super excited when I heard there was a musical version. Yeah. Yeah, Ellie. Do you remember your
1: reaction to Heather's the movie the first time you saw it
2: I don't I don't really remember my reaction what what I think is interesting is having seen it after many years the scenes that sort of stuck with me and that I remembered really well were sort of minor scenes I mean there's this uh, funeral scene where everyone is wearing these wacky white 3d glasses and I remembered it as like an extended basically a musical number where it went on forever and it was like this huge big deal, but it's actually like a two and a half second scene. So it, I think it's interesting sort of what iconic things stick with you. Tell us about this
0: crazy summer of you seeing Heathers Together off Broadway.
2: I mean, it was this amazing summer where basically half of the Jerusalem English-speaking theater community relocated to New York City, and we were all there at the same time, watching as many shows as we can, as all of us do when we're traveling to New York. And I remember specifically there was this, you know, rumor mill or this energy going about. A buzz. There was a buzz about Heathers where we kept telling each other, have you seen Heathers? You have to come see Heathers. Yeah, if I remember correctly, I saw it first on my own. I think because Eliana and Jeff Rosenstein
1: told me you have to see it. And then I remember Yeah, Ellie said to me, you have to go watch Heather's. And we were saying, well, what should we watch tonight? <laughs> because that's just what we were doing. And Ellie was like, I saw it yesterday, but I'll see it again with you today. Because, yeah, it was so amazing that I went again. And it's not only that the
2: show was great and a good evening of theater, but there was also this cult following around the musical where... A lot of people would re-watch it, and they had these rush tickets, they were fairly cheap, and, you know, when you went to see it, it was like seeing the Rocky Horror Picture Show, where people would dress up to the theater, and they would sing along and dance in the aisles. I don't know what they were called, these, these uh, cult fans,
1: Heatherettes, or <laughs> I uh, think... Heatherheads, like Rentheads? <laughs> I think I can speak for all of us when I say that I sincerely hope our audience will dress up to come see our show. Oh, oh yes. yeah.
0: Please, please do. Please do. Bring your scrunchies. So, Omar, how were you introduced to Heather's movie or musical? I listened
3: to the soundtrack first and then I saw the movie. And what did you think? Of the movie? Yeah. It was just bizarre. It was weird.
0: Yeah, I also had my introduction to Heather's through the soundtrack, which I loved. And then I saw the movie and I was just kind of horrified. <laughs> So before we get more into Heather specifically, let me ask, do you guys like musicals based on movies in general? What do you think makes a movie a good candidate to be a musical adaptation? So uh, obviously I thought of Mean
3: Girls, which is a movie that I loved. And then when I, when I heard that they were making a musical, I just thought that was such a strange choice. But then it, made, it makes so much sense. Um, and I think what makes it great is that uh, when they take catchy lines from the movie and turn them into songs, and then you can sing your favorite lines, which is basically what we all want to do all the time. Like, uh, on Wednesdays we wear pink. On On Wednesdays we wear pink. pink. I haven't seen very many musicals that are based on movies, um, or at least I haven't seen both the movie and the musical. I did think about Waitress and Kinky Boots, which are two musicals that I love very much. And when I saw the movies, I found them kind of boring in comparison to the musicals because the songs were missing. Um, And I think that the songs just give so much more life and they give a voice to the characters that are just kind of missing when you just watch the movie without the songs.
0: Oh, I completely agree. Yeah, Ellie, any thoughts? I have three paragraphs on this. (laughs) Do it.
2: Well, it's, it's an interesting question because when I compare the idea of a musical based on a movie it feels very different to me than something like the genre of the jukebox musical, which is taking existing songs from an album or a creator and sort of building a musical around that, which to me, or, you know, in our circles, we sort of always hate jukebox musicals because they tend to sort of shove the the music into a plot that doesn't make sense and it doesn't really work and it's not structured right, right? There are all these rules about how a musical should be Built and structured that they're unable to follow. It's I sort of love is. how cringy it is, though.
1: Like that, <laughs> do I do know? like. <laughs> yes, I do.
2: But with with musicals based on movies, it really depends. There are uh, examples of really great adaptations. If you think of you know Little Shop of Horrors or Hairspray, or you know more recent ones like Billy Elliot. These are great adaptations. that really added something to the movie and managed to reinvent the material for the stage. Whereas other examples didn't weren't really so successful, like, you know, recently they tried to make Amelie, which was a really great film, into a musical, and something about the adaptation didn't really work. I think Waitress, what Omel was saying about Waitress, is a really great example of, you know, taking a movie and
1: making it, you know, giving it a new life. Halal, I think one of my favorite movie-to-musical adaptations would have to be Matilda, and I think in addition to what Omer was saying about giving it new life and the songs just really lifting up the whole already amazing movie, is that they did so much character work there. Suddenly in the musical, every character has a chance to shine, and it's not just the flat, mean parents, mean principal, nice teacher, right? They're each, like, so much more complex, and the songs is just a way to give them that um, nuance. And Tim Rice is just brilliant in his lyrics, and it, it really makes the whole thing quirky and fun and so much more playful.
0: Yeah, I think many times musicals really take raw material that people wouldn't necessarily think would work and makes it this amazing thing that now we can't imagine what it's like without the songs. And like many darker musicals, Heather's has a premise that sounds insane and like it shouldn't work, but somehow it comes together into a really satisfying musical. Now, both the movie and the musical gained this cult following, so what do you think the secret ingredient is in this case? Why do people love it so much?
2: Well, first of all, yeah, let's acknowledge how bananas the plot of this movie and musical is. I mean teenagers going on a revenge murder spree, there's ghosts, there's, you know, multiple types of suicide, there's pâté and uh, croquet. So, you know, it's one of those things like, I don't know, Sweeney Todd or many other musicals where if you describe it to someone who doesn't know, like you try to do with your family, it does not sound like it would be successful. I'm basically stunned that someone greenlit the project for, for the movie. If I'm thinking about the musical, I think the secret ingredient is the music. It sort of speaks an emotional truth that I think resonates with a lot of people, where you can separate that from the characters and their actions. And there's something about how extreme the events and the emotions in the musical are, that the music is able to to bring you to this place of absolute anger and what it feels like to be bullied and what it feels like to be head over heels in love. Or even this idea of being, you know, really powerful and being drunk on power. People love to inhabit those spaces. And I think it's interesting that if you think about what people love about the musical, it's not Veronica that they attached to or that's like the iconic part of the musical it's not the main character what they're really fascinated by and what becomes like the poster of the musical is either heather chandler the like the mythic bitch or it's this group of heathers so there's something about inhabiting these these extreme things on the one hand
0: and then in music which it, which really puts it over the edge so I'll build on what Yaeli has just said and say that for me, in the musical, the secret ingredient is also the music. That's That was my doorway into Heather's originally, the soundtrack, and that is still what I love most about this musical. Because for me personally, the story is difficult to stomach. And when I finally did see the movie like halal and Omer, I was kind of horrified because some of these themes are very jarring and I think they're really important. I think they're super interesting to talk about, but I think the music makes it art and the music makes it so relatable. So
3: my introduction to Heather's was uh, actually during a car ride with Yaeli about six years ago when we were doing Rent. Um, And she put on this song. She said, do you know Heathers? And I said, no. And then she put on Beautiful. And that was um, the first song I heard from the soundtrack. And then I kept listening to it on repeat many, many times since then. And I think about your question about, Nuria, about the secret ingredient. I think there's something about the content of that song, about both wanting it to be beautiful, like wanting life to be innocent, and kind of longing for a childhood and then the ugliness of certain things in life. And it kind of reminds me of that that uh, that feeling of not being able to take your eyes off of a car accident when you're driving by it on the street. Like, you know you're not supposed to look, but you also just can't take your eyes off of it. I think there's also something about, about the movie uh, mixing between imagination and reality, like what you were talking about before with the 3D glasses. There's this mix between uh, imagination and reality that just comes across so well through song and dance and there's just this extreme out of this world way that musicals can describe certain situations. I think also certain feelings that can't be expressed unless the characters burst into song. Like I was thinking about Dead Girl Walking which I think isn't, isn't actually a line from the movie and I don't even remember if it's that big of a scene but then when the musical kind of opens that moment up into this like drunken anguish Veronica is in when she actually thinks that she's going to die, and then this whole sex scene is, like, ten times more thrilling in a musical when there's this ability for characters to just, like, elate into extreme feelings.
2: In the movie, it's a nothing scene. It's basically a cut to... Um,
0: Post-sex. Post-sex, yeah. Cut <laughs>
2: to bushes, and you see, like, crumpled clothing on the on the grass, and there's nothing. There's no dialogue, there's no... And, you know, having known the musical, it's so... your Your heart just, like... Yeah, uh, longs to, to hear more, to
1: see more there. So I think something really interesting to think about regarding cult followings in general is who is this following and more importantly what about this movie or musical speaks to them so strongly because I think that's how a cult following can become that the movie or the musical speaks this truth that is so relevant and so relatable to a specific, sometimes very niche group of people, and sometimes very universal. So I think, for example, with the movie, at the time when it came out in 1989, it was a groundbreaking idea that high school was a horrible place to be. I mean, Ellie, maybe you can say more about that. Yeah, I think... It's
2: not only that it was groundbreaking to show high school in this way, it's that this idea of revealing this truth about high school goes to the very core of the project of what the movie was trying to achieve. Because we have to remember that the movie came out in 1989, yeah. I think. And this was at the heels of all of these really famous John Hughes movies from you know the 80s about high schools. Things like The Breakfast Club and Sixteen Candles which showed the high school experience in a very different way than Heather's. Even though there's conflict and there could be pain and drama, everything was very sweet, very, you know, honest, and it was this kind of America, uh, a very specific kind of America, or American high school experience. And I think it's very telling that originally the, the scriptwriters wanted Stanley Kubrick to direct the movie. So they were envisioning this sort of horror version of a John Hughes movie.
1: It was supposed to be shocking and and horrifying. I think I generally think of Heathers as a musical that's really for adults, even though now I'm realizing that I was 16 or 17 when I saw it. But then I was just talking with a friend's sister, and she's 17, and she said, Oh, Heathers, of course. She knows it by heart. It's totally relevant and truthful to what she's experiencing in high school now. And suddenly I felt like I was like the adults in Heather's that were like, oh, the kids don't know about this. (laughs) But they do. (laughs) And I wonder, though, if, you know, you're watching
2: Heather's, the movie or the musical, and your feelings are totally earnest and you're identifying with it 100%, whether you are missing it because, you know, it's a show that is full of irony and it's sarcastic and it's, you know... Uh, it hits a tone where it's very serious, but, you know, also poppy and weird and funny. So you're not supposed to really take it that seriously, right. which worries me if teenagers are kind of watching Heather and saying, that's my experience. This was my life. I'm like, wait. <laughs> they, you know, they wrote it as a huge exaggeration. It was so ahead of its time. They, they were imagining this reality of high school that was so exaggerated, you know, in the 80s imagining a kid with a gun in school or you know plotting some kind of crazy stunt to come into school and violence and all these things they were done as exaggerations as like a crazy version of reality whereas today it it seems tame heaven yeah. seems tame
0: compared to reality he killed just one kid <laughs> just just three characters dying? he didn't yeah.
1: blow up the whole school <laughs>
0: What other musicals should Heathers be compared to? What does it most remind you of? I'll start by saying that for me, the obvious connection is to Mean Girls, and we talked about Mean Girls a little bit already, but Mean Girls was inspired by Heathers, so this is no coincidence. The songs from Mean Girls have often come up just in our discussions when we've been talking about uh, Heathers So yeah, I would say Mean Girls is the happy, sparkly version of Heather's, which is funny to say because Heather's itself is so sparkly, but I think it's sparkly in more of like a sickly kind of way. It's like kind of you eat too much candy until you're sick, whereas Mean Girls is ultimately a feel good, and Heather's is a feel bad. Or like, (laughs) it's just a lot more jarring.
2: Yeah, I think it's really interesting to think about this cycle of influence where Heather's The Movie was a huge influence on Mean Girls The Movie, which then was a huge influence on Heather's The Musical because it it was a post-Mean Girls adaptation, which was very aware. But then that also influenced The Mean Girls Musical, which will probably influence a movie musical of Mean Girls.
0: Which is coming out.
3: Is
2: it? Yeah, there is going to be a (laughs) musical of... Ellie the
0: prophet! (laughs) Omer? Yeah,
3: so my comparison was kind of weird. I thought about Jesus Christ Superstar. Hear me out. I think just just because of the part in the story where we as the audience come in, um, in the same way as in Jesus, we come in at the peak of his time. So when he already has this following and he's this cult leader, and then we follow his downfall until his crucifixion. Kind of like that, we also come into this high school where there are already these Heathers. We don't know what brought them into power. We don't know why. But then we witness their demise until the whole power structure changes. And so I think it, it just reminded me of that because kind of like with Jesus Christ, where like, we, we mostly know the story, we don't really need the background. I think also with Heathers, we don't really need the background. We all know a Heather. We know how they... Usually come into power, and all we can do is stand and watch them fall.
2: Any
0: other weird comparisons?
3: To me,
2: the show that it most reminds me of is Spring Awakening because of this mix of angst within like rock pop music and how they're both kind of very serious and dark and violent, but also adorable at times, uh, and especially the, this idea about the adults being
1: yeah, no, that That
2: was me saying the adults are like.
1: Yeah, on a different planet.
2: On a different planet, but also played, all of the adults are played by, you know, the same actors, sort of representing the idea that they're detached and
1: not replaceable, but like they're all the same. I have a really specific song to song comparison to do, which is Fight for Me from Heather's, I think is a version of I Can Hear the Bells.
0: What?
1: (laughs) From Hairspray. So here's my theory. It's love at first sight. It's this idea that the leading character has this moment of falling in love. It's totally cynical and very, like, self-aware. How could this moment, whether it's bumping into each other or someone punching... And it's crazy, right? It's totally self-aware of how crazy it would be to, like, fall in love with someone, imagine... Even when we die, we'll look down from up above, right? Like, basically, Veronica is unknowingly plotting all the crazy stuff she's gonna do with JD at that moment, and the whole like slow-mo thing, obviously. Mm, Um, And sort of like having this weird fantasy moment that's totally messed up and comedic, I guess. And taking it too far. And taking it like way too far. (laughs) Way too far. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that. He hasn't even spoken (laughs) to you. (laughs) You literally don't know his name and you're already like... The only thing we know about him is he's mysterious.
0: Well, we're obviously all very excited to be putting on this show and we have a lot of thoughts about it that we will explore in hopefully future episodes of this podcast. But do you guys want to talk for a minute about auditions uh, and what people should know about them?
2: I mean, since all three of you have all been in the position of being outside for hours and hours on end, teaching the audition dance. (laughs) I'm actually curious, because we've never really talked about this, but I'm curious about what that experience is like and what you've sort of learned about people from not being inside the audition room, but from kind of working with them uh, on the dance, or if you have like tips or, you know, thoughts Mm -hmm. about
0: that. So this is a great question. I myself have gone from auditionee to teaching the audition dance to now being in the room for the first time. So I feel like I've been in all positions throughout the audition process. I think what I have learned most from teaching the dance is that ultimately getting the moves exactly right doesn't matter. It's how you perform them and how you kind of work through them at the audition stage. It's not about dancing with precision as much as it is acting through movement and showing us that you have the ability to move and to act. So I think the biggest thing would be don't be nervous about getting everything 100% right. You know, practice it obviously, show us that you care and that you are able to learn a dance. But once you get into the audition room it's just about performing. Absolutely. Yeah, I if I can build on that. I think that it's definitely
1: a lot about the attitude and especially in Heather's where really the chorus also has so much attitude, right? So every single I think the way we're envisioning this show is that every single chorus member has their own personality and like really the musical could have been written like about them from their perspective. So we want all of our leading characters and chorus to be really strong personalities and and strong acting through through the dance and through the movement. And I think that one tip that I can give regarding that is I think it is important to take the time to feel comfortable in the routine so that you can really shine through it.
3: Um, I'm just going to strengthen the point of come join the ensemble. It's going to be great. We get to dance. Um, and be all these great colorful, colorful characters. Um, And also I think during auditions, it's um, be kind, be patient, realize that the people you're auditioning in front of and learning the dance from have been there for hours and days on end, and just come as like a good sport and
1: willing to do what's asked and good vibes. And really our community theater is the opposite of the Heathers world, right? We're supportive, we're kind, we help each other out. And we don't wear shoulder pads.
2: <laughs> yet.
1: <laughs> I would
2: just add about this idea of, you know, what all of you are saying about showing personality and being personable. Is I think a lot of people when they audition, they don't realize that it's sort of, I don't want to say 50-50, but that there's a portion where you're being auditioned for your talent, and there's a portion where you're introducing yourself as a person. And it doesn't matter if you're a person who's been in other shows and who we know. We're sort of thinking about you within the environment that we're trying to build. And so, you know, we really do appreciate that people are stressed and nervous and that it's such a hard thing putting yourself out there. But that, you know, think about what kind of energy you're bringing into the room and what you're telling us about yourself. It's like an opportunity for us to get to know you to get to know a different side of you to hear you to hear you sing a solo is a great thing it's like fun so even you know if you don't get a role or the role that you wanted it's a fun opportunity to come and get to to sing a song in front of people so as Omar was saying about being a good sport I think if you take it with that sort of energy and with that sort of state of mind you'll have more fun and will also have more fun and be more at ease and kind of uh, feel what it would be like to have you work with us for four months
0: on a show. Come audition. Thing. Come audition. Bring your scrunchies. Really <laughs> Bring your scrunchies. Thanks for listening to this episode of Making It Beautiful, a Heather's podcast. Let us know what you thought about our discussion, and if there's anything else you'd be interested to hear more about. You can follow the Starcatcher page on Facebook or follow JLM on Instagram. Thanks to Ellie Greenblatt, Omer Yavin, and Halel Kanoch for being the first guests on the podcast and for being part of the creative process. This podcast was produced and edited by Nuria Levy. See you next time. Bring your scrunchies.